Welcome to Character First, a podcast focusing on developing confidence, empathy, resilience, and 21st century skills for our children and our future. You're listening to Character First, Episode 8, featuring Scarlett Lewis, founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement and the Choose Love Program. These programs focus on social and emotional learning and inclusion. They were created in response to the tragic events of December 14, 2012 at Sandy Hook Elementary School, where Scarlett lost her son, Jesse. Hi, Scarlett. Thanks so much for joining us on Character First. I think everyone is familiar with the horrible tragedy that took place at Sandy Hook Elementary in Newtown, Connecticut, and you and your family suffered unimaginable loss that day when your son Jesse was killed. So many children were lost that day and in other tragedies involving school violence. Many parents and families subsequently launched movements or programs or lobbying groups, and a lot of them are focused on gun legislation and some on mental illness. The Choose Love movement and programs are different. Please tell us more about why you chose your approach, how it works, and why it's so important. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Derek. I, I love to talk about our mission and how it's positively impacting kids and parents and educators actually worldwide. You know, I wanted to focus on education and I was kind of looking around and seeing how everyone was reacting. And I saw a lot of fearful reactions. And I, I knew that I wasn't strong enough to be against something, honestly. I, I wanted to be for something. And I thought, what is the most important thing that there is? It's, it's really all boils down to our ability to connect with one another. Everyone has a want and need to love and be loved. I mean, that's how, that's, that's a connection that we all have as human beings. And a lot of the issues are really simply lack of connection. I mean, that was certainly the case with, uh, with Adam Lanza in the Sandy Hook school shooting. He was a former student. His mother had taught at the school and he was uh, really bullied and ostracized. And, uh, and of course, that's a common theme uh, amongst the issues that we've been seeing in our society today. So I, you know, Jesse left this message on our kitchen chalkboard that I found very shortly after the, the shooting. He had written, I remember he was six years old and in first grade, three words, nurturing, healing, love. And of course, they were phonetically spelled. Uh, he was in first grade and just learning to write, but I couldn't believe it. I, I realized that really almost instantly that if Adam Lanza had been able to give and receive nurturing, healing, love, that the tragedy would never have happened. It's really as simple as that. And I started researching on how I could get that messaging into schools. I connected with a doctoral professor at Western Connecticut State University, and he said, well, it's called social-emotional learning. And I started researching social-emotional learning and character education, positive psychology, mindfulness, neuroscience, all of these incredible things. A whole new world opened up to me. And I realized that this was not anything new actually, uh, that, that this has been in, in some schools on a limited basis, but there were decades of research behind the benefits to children when they had access to this type of education. Uh, and, and when I say social-emotional learning, I'm literally talking about teaching kids how to have healthy and positive relationships, deep and meaningful connections, 
how to manage their emotions, uh, how to be resilient, how to make responsible decisions and, and things like that. We are wired to connect as human beings. We have to connect for our own survival. Yet it's interesting, we're not born with these social and emotional skills, tools, and attitudes. We have to learn them. And I quickly realized in my research, wow, I don't have a lot of these skills and tools. And, and I'm 44 years old. I was 44 <laughs> years old when Jesse was born. And, you know, the amazing thing is through developing this program, I've learned them and my life is exponentially better. But I realized that I, I wondered, gosh, this is incredible. It's already out there. Like, this is the solution. Research shows that kids that have this kind of learning not only get better grades and test scores, higher attendance, higher graduation rates, but they experience less stress and anxiety, less behavioral issues. It's actually a statistically effective way to reduce and prevent bullying. And now they have studies that have gone on for decades. They've followed kids with social emotional learning. And as adults, they have less mental illness of all kinds, less substance abuse, less incarceration, even less divorce rates. And, uh, wow. and I wondered, gosh, um, what, what's, what's keeping this from being in front of every child? Because every child deserves access to these skills and tools. And of course, now we know that Har uh, it was either Harvard or Yale that recently had a, an article that they sent out really encouraging schools to look at social emotional intelligence over grades and test scores when they admit kids to the universities because that is a better indicator of their future success physically, mentally, and emotionally. We know employers are looking for these social emotional intelligence skills over and above IQ because individuals that are socially and emotionally intelligent are more productive, they're more creative, they work better in groups, they're better uh, decision makers. And so it just really impacts every single aspect of your life, really. That, that's just an amazing, uh, an amazing ambition and vision. And, uh, and I know you're executing against it too, which is incredible. So let me ask you this, SEO is a very broad and comprehensive notion. There's a lot to SEL and this whole other side of the spectrum from, from cognitive and this emotional social area. Now, my understanding of your program was that a big part of it was what you talked about initially, which is this notion of inclusion and, and having everybody feel like they're part of a community when they're at school. Tell us a little bit more about that, but it also sounds like you've developed a much more robust and comprehensive SEL program at the same time. It's, it's gone. It's, it's wildly overshot any of my expectations. It's really incredible. I mean, my initial thought was Jesse's funeral. I had gotten up to speak and I said, this whole tragedy started with an angry thought in Adam Lanza's head. And I pictured him as a little boy having an angry thought without the tools or nurturing environment to deal with that thought. So we know what anger does to our brain and it can actually lead to rage that culminates in mass murder. There is no mass murder gene. Nobody's born hating, right? In fact, we know that babies are born gravitating towards compassion and love. And so it took a lifetime of, of pain and suffering, disconnection and isolation and bullying for Adam Lanza to reach the point where he would perpetrate a crime such as that. And, uh, and I just want to tell your audience, I was 
passed a note the other day from uh, one of my audience members, and she said, "Don't you know that uh, that victims' parents don't say the shooter's name?" And uh, and I was so glad that she said that because uh, I I got to address this uh, this group of parents from a particular school in Connecticut, and I said, "You know, I don't say his name in the media." But I do say his name specifically in groups like this because I think it's vitally important that we realize and, and remember that these are human beings. And the other thing that I've learned, because you learn a tremendous amount following tragedy, is that there are only two kinds of people in this world. There are good people and there are good people in pain. And that's a hopeful statement because there's always something that we can do to help ease another's pain. And Adam Lanza was simply a good person in pain. In fact, when you look at his childhood, he did everything right. <laughs> he asked for help. There were needs that were documented, that people knew that he needed, that were not given to him. He waved big red flags when they weren't met. He did everything right. It wasn't until the last year and a half of his life when he became completely isolated that he was starting to really derail. But other than that, he was just like any other child trying to navigate this increasingly disconnected and chaotic world. And uh, he, he really didn't receive the, the help that he needed. And, you know, that's, I feel a tremendous amount of compassion for him, by the way. And I feel compassion for his mother. Um, his mother was a single mom, was raising him by herself with no help from anyone. And, and I can relate to that because I have been a single mom too for all of my children's, both of my children's lives. And I understand the difficulty in that and, and having to do everything yourself. And uh, I, feel, I feel compassion for her. You know, we're, we're all just doing the best that we can with the skills and tools that we have at the moment. And the bottom line is this, when you learn social and emotional intelligence, you can do better. You know, hearing you speak, a lot of it, you know, it just makes sense. That's what's wonderful about a lot of it. But implementing it and actually making it happen That's is, right. is not easy. It, these are complex concepts. But when I hear you speak uh, as a person who suffered the loss of a child, which in any instance is, is a horrible, horrible thing, but in particular, you know, at the end of senseless violence, and I hear you speak about the way that you're thinking about it. It really, to me, is like the most aspirational level of social and emotional intelligence in a real human being I've, I've ever encountered. You know, I, I think if, if we all could get to where you are um, without having to have that kind of loss be a trigger, it would be an incredible thing. Well, let me, let me address that for one moment, yeah. because I, I appreciate that. But, you know, that loss, my son's loss drives and motivates me every single day. And I know that it was preventable. And I know that it's preventable with social and emotional learning. And I am, it's the number one way to have a safe school. And there is no reason why anyone has to suffer like I, I did. And to a certain extent, I still do, right? Because I live with the loss every day. And we know what children need. And this is what they need. And it's so amazing because when they're provided this, they love it and gravitate towards it. You know, even in the older kids, I think the hesitation is on the adult's part. 
like, ah, uh, what are they going to think about this kind of programming? Are they going to think it's corny? It's like these kids eat it up. And even in high schools, when educators uh, don't have the time, don't think they have the time, don't make the time, kids create choose love clubs without anyone telling them to do this. And we had one, uh, one high schooler whose teachers wouldn't teach it in a high school in Connecticut. So he actually sat in the front of the school at a table with Choose Love Club taped on to the table with a sign-up sheet. 100 <laughs> kids signed up for that Choose Love Club. That's incredible. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And then, and then incredible educators stepped up to help facilitate that. But, you know, it's amazing that we're seeing the youth voice today because I think that they're realizing that what is uh, seemingly our best efforts as adults to keep them safe and educate them is, is not really cutting it. And I think that they're taking responsibility on their own and they know what they need and they need this. And it's really, really inspiring for me to go around and, and see that and talk to them. So in, in developing this program, we decided to make it a little bit different than uh, than what was, uh, you know, there are, there are great social emotional learning programs out there and we're not in competition with any of them. They're wonderful. But, you know, there's a reason that they're not in front of every child, right? So we created one that could be, right? Because it's based on love and we're all connected as human beings by the want and need to love and be loved. And with this program, there's an emotional connection. And the emotional connection is what inspires and motivates us to action. And we've really seen this across the country. And, and in fact, across the world, we have whole districts that have adopted this program and we've never even talked to them, right? Uh, that's how we created it. So there was not a lot of support that was needed. It was very self-explanatory. There's no training required because the educator learns right alongside the student. And of course, we took out the price component and made it free uh, as long as we can because every child deserves access to this. I know I've said that a few times, but it's, it's so vitally important. And we included really the best of the best of what is statistically effective and being taught in classrooms today. We've got cutting edge neuroscience and teaching kids how the brain works, which is really incredible. And, you know, this image always comes to mind where the, uh, the educators and I would be on calls late at night because, of course, they're teaching in schools. They have kids. They put them to bed. And then we'd be working on the Choose Love program. And I remember when uh, the professor who wrote the neuroscience was on the phone with us explaining it to us. And afterwards, we were like, you know, if we had this knowledge when we were younger, we would have benefited so much. Like, what would our lives look like now? Not that we regretted where we were, but just, wow, we would have benefited so much with this knowledge. And, uh, and that's what we talked about. That's what educators are saying. Wow, gosh, you know, this, this, is, this is vital life skills, skills for life that we need. It's so true. That brain science stuff is amazing. And part of it is, is, it's almost like any situation where you have to first recognize or understand the problem before you can fix it. 
Yeah. Like self-regulation, as an example, is a difficult problem to fix in general, but it, it definitely gets easier if you understand actually how your brain works and how your fight or flight mechanisms actually are at play, not just for the saber-toothed tigers, but throughout the day and engaging with other kids and adults and, and everyday type situations. So, And here's the interesting thing. Like, even when, even if you can say, oh, I've mastered social emotional intelligence, right? Like I spend every day, all day long, every breath <laughs> talking about social emotional learning, trying to get it out there. I feel like I've learned so much from doing it. And then, you know, I'll be driving along and someone will cut me off. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll feel my amygdala reacting. And uh, so we call it the numbat, which is a little fuzzy animal from Australia. I feel my numbat taking a hold. And I know that I have to nudge my numbat to the human. The human is your prefrontal cortex. That's where logic and reasoning reside. Because if I don't do that, I'm going to go down to the lizard which is where rage is, and that is gonna control me. So really in our program, we're trying to teach kids how to thoughtfully respond in every situation, circumstance, and interaction with love, kindness, caring, concern, compassion. Because when you do that, you are taking your control back, you're taking your power back, and you're making the world a better place. When you react with anger, hatred, and resentment, you're literally giving your personal power or your control away. And it's interesting when I ask adults uh, in audiences, like, how does it feel when you feel like you have no control over a situation or circumstance? And they think about it, and, I, and the answers are always the exact same, to a T. Anxious, frustrated, scared you know, different, different iterations of that. And I say, right, and that's adults. And we presumably have some skills and tools. Think about what it feels like to a child who really doesn't have as much control in their life. But there is one thing that we can all control, actually. And that's how we thoughtfully respond to any situation, circumstance, or interaction. The interesting thing is this, we, we all have pain. So as human beings, we're all connected by the want and need to love and be loved, yet we all feel pain. And by the way, it's, it's pretty relative, your, your pain. Um, I have had more than five people come up to me, a couple actually at Jesse's wake. So there was thousands of people lined up outside the funeral home. You'd walk in, you'd pass Jesse. We were lucky enough actually to have an open casket. And then they'd walk by the family to give their condolences. I had more than one person um, just bereft, understandably, but compare the loss to the loss of their cat. And, you know, I, <laughs> you're learning in every situation, right? And I thought, wow, you know what? To them, I'm not judging. To them, this, that they, they do think they know how it feels. That, that is the loss, right? Because that, that's a significant loss to them. So my point is this, our, our pain uh, in general is all relative, certainly for kids. When something's going on with a kid, it's very um, egocentric to them because that's where they are in their developmental stage. The fact of the matter is this, we are shaped and molded as human beings 
by how we thoughtfully respond to situations and circumstances. So it's not actually what happens to us because we all experience pain. We're all going to have difficulties. It's how we thoughtfully respond to those situations and circumstances that shape and mold us. That's what helps us grow. You're listening to Character First, hosted by Derek Correa. Character First is sponsored by Role Model Mentors. So Scarlett, it, there's no question that it's so important that schools evolve to include this focus on an effort on character versus cognition, because so much of what they do is cognition focused. For those that are listening that are school administrators or associated with the education system, what is involved in a school implementing your program? How hard is it? How much time does it take? How do they measure or assess impact if they're going to be challenged by their board to deliver on some type of measurable improvement? Like, how do you, how do you go about putting this into your school if you want to, and how hard is it? That's a really great question. So we like to say that it's fun, fast, and easy <laughs> because that every sounds pretty good. yeah, right. Everybody wants that, so it's all available online. And the first step would be to go and just check it out. We have sample lessons. We have why we're unique. Really, we have a step-by-step procedure on how to download and implement. You, uh, if you're ready to download and you wanted to look at the uh, at the material, you would just kind of sign up, do this short sign-up process, and you would have access immediately. So the way to implement, it's implemented many different ways and anyone can implement it. If there's an educator that is kind of, kind of standalone person at the school that values SEL, but can't get other buy-in, you can do it in your classroom. And by the way, in that regard, it has spread because other educators and other students, uh, administrators, parents say, what are you doing? What, what is this choose love thing? I'm seeing differences. And so it's actually spread to whole districts that way. If you're an administrator, there is actually a survey that you can give to your educators and ask them what is important to them. And invariably, it will come back saying, Social and emotional learning is one of the most important things. And so taking it from there, you can introduce this program and say, you know, we chose this program because you benefit just as much as the students. So it's pretty self-explanatory. There's almost no teacher prep because uh, we had educators create this and they know what teachers want in the classroom. It's incredible because educators have really taken this uh, this movement on as their own, and they've created materials for us that they send us at the end of the school year and allow us to share for the, for the following school year. So everybody kind of checks back in to see what new resources we have and what updates we've made to the neuroscience and definitions and things like that. We actually include surveys with each of the grade levels, so pre and post surveys. So if you're a school and you wanted to keep track of progress, you could give those surveys as well. There are student surveys and educator surveys. And of course, bottom line, you can look at the statistics that you keep track of for the federal government anyway, which is expulsions, attendance, behavioral referrals, things like that. I will tell you, we're, we're just getting preliminary data in from an evaluation that we did at University of Arkansas that the researcher called thrilling 
Um, but we wow. had students moving from tier two to tier one and really increasing in so many different areas. So, uh, and the anecdotal feedback has been just tremendous on this program. Um, we did do another evaluation at an elementary school in, uh, in Hawaii, and that came back so off the charts that I don't even share it. I'm guessing that you get a lot of positive empirical evidence too from teachers themselves, because you know, a lot of the stuff that can be a drag for teachers um, in, in their classroom in terms of disruption and dealing with issues between kids that's distracting to the educational process, uh, this probably improves a lot of those things. So in some ways, whatever time is carved out of the curriculum to focus on SEL possibly even comes back um, in magnitudes in more time to get through the curriculum that you have to without the disruption. Uh, you know what? That is 100%. But my favorite feedback from educators is that they're learning the skills and tools and they're taking them home and using them with their own families. And you know what? It really doesn't take a lot of time. It's interesting. So the elementary school is once a week, <laughs> right? And you can do it in circle time. And then you extend the lessons in reading. So it's so simple. We have four character values that we focus on, and this is a formula for choosing love in any situation, circumstance, or interaction. And the formula is this. These are the character values. Courage plus gratitude plus forgiveness plus compassion in action equals choosing love. And we teach social emotional learning, character education, emotional management, positive psychology, neuroscience, all under just those four character values in the formula for choosing love. And that is the same from pre-K all the way up to 12th grade. Um, we have scaffolded the program so that it's similar, but obviously your, your learning grows upon itself as you get older. And so in middle and high school, actually, there is a uh, period called advisory period. And this ranges between 20 minutes to 45 minutes once a week, once every other week. Some schools have it three times a week, but we have programming for that advisory period. Some schools are teaching it in health. Some schools are teaching it uh, using their guidance counselor to teach this programming. I mean, here's the bottom line. Educators are already doing this. <laughs> you know, I mean, educators are our modern day heroes. They are real life heroes. Uh, we, we as parents give them our most precious asset and we ask them to shape and mold them into the human beings that they're going to become. There is no more important job, right? So they're actually already doing some of this. This is just a way to bring it in a structured and comprehensive way into the classroom. So I, I love that, that, uh, that the teachers love the program so much. And, and one of the things you hear is they bring it home to their own family, which, which is an interesting notion. So uh, aside from all of our listeners that are educators and considering uh, this program for their school are interested in hearing you talk more about it because they've already implemented it, we have plenty of parents who are, are listening. And if this particular program isn't available in their school, what are what is like one thing that a parent who's listening right now could take away from you and your program that is implementable themselves in their home with their own kids? Well, that's a great question. And we have a program specifically for parents. It's called Choose Love at Home. 
And if you're a parent, I would highly suggest you log on to our website, jessielewischooselove.org, and check out the parent program. It's no cost. It's video-based. They're short, fun videos, and they're downloadable uh, suggestions for conversations and activities that you can do with your kids. There are calendars that you could hang on the fridge and, and little ways that you could practice choosing love every day because really uh, at the end of the day, this is not a program, right? It's a, it's a practice that we do for the rest of our life. I mean, we, even if we've, as I said before, we've mastered these uh, character values and these skills and tools, we still have opportunities to, uh, to use them every single day and to, to practice them and to solidify them and strengthen them. So I would really suggest that parents uh, download our Choose Love at Home program and let me know how it's going. We love to get feedback. Here's the bottom line, social emotional learning. Uh, and I wish that I had known this as a parent. People say, you know, do you have regrets or anything? And, and I don't have that. I don't have regrets because I was really present with my kids um, and uh, available and, and with them whenever I could be. Of course, I worked full time, but, um, but very present with them. But I wish that I knew the importance of social emotional learning uh, in schools taught with fidelity. Some schools have it. Sandy Hook Elementary School actually had a social emotional learning program. It just wasn't being utilized. And, uh, and it's so vitally important. In fact, it's the number one way to have a safe school. And uh, what do I mean by this? Because usually when we talk about safe schools, we're talking about external safety measures, meaning active shooter protocol, um, arming, not arming school resource officers, single point entries, door locks, things like that. Those are all external safety measures and they're very important, but none of that addresses the cause of why a child would wanna harm themselves or someone else. What does is social emotional learning. Kids that are connected, kids that are resilient to the issues we know they're going to be facing, kids that can manage their emotions are not going to wanna to harm themselves or someone else. It makes common sense, but there's research behind it this is cultivating safety from the inside out of every child. So in order to have a safe school, you must have both external and just as important, if not more important, internal, uh, cultivating that internal safety measure, which is social emotional learning. In fact, the state of New Hampshire has included Choose Love in their statewide school safety initiative and rolling it out to schools in New Hampshire uh, hiring a Choose Love ambassador there who who reports to the director of Homeland Security. That's how serious wow. you're seeing that it's being taken. In fact, uh, and I'm looking at this right now, uh, the final report of the Federal Commission on School Safety. Um, this was uh, thoroughly researched on how to keep schools safe. And the number one chapter is character education and it includes social emotional learning and actually um, we're cited in that as well so it's it's it, it takes it takes what we're talking about social emotional learning from kind of a nice to have thing you know we can check off the box that we do this in a week kindness program or something to an absolute need to have comprehensive social emotional learning taught with fidelity embraced by the school because it really becomes the culture it's it's less of a program but more of something that permeates 
every corner, every hallway, every mind of, of children and, and, and gives them what we know they need to become healthy, connected, uh, purpose-filled adults leading meaningful lives. Your, your passion is infectious, Scarlett. Thank you so much. What an amazing initiative and a tremendous tribute to your son, Jesse. You're changing so many lives today and, and creating an enormous positive impact on our society that is going to last for, for years or decades to come. So how, how can people who listen or in, and are inspired um, so best support Jesse Lewis Choose Love if they're interested in, in getting involved or making a donation so that you can continue to offer this program at no cost? Yeah, I really appreciate that. And this is literally a movement. So I couldn't do this without so many others that have contributed all over the world. It is a movement. Every one of us is going to have to take responsibility for what's happening in our schools that then translate out into our society. There is no they out there that's going to be taking care of this for us because if they could have, they would have. So we're going to have to take responsibility. And the Choose Love movement is a way for everyone to come together to be part of the solution, regardless of what political affiliation, regardless of what you feel about guns or no guns, it doesn't matter. We're all connected by the want and need to love and be loved. So this is a place where we can all come together to be part of the solution. And, and I appreciate you mentioning that um, because it's free. We want to offer it free to everybody, but of course it's not free to us. It does take resources to keep this going. So we, we, the, the majority of our donations come from individuals actually, um, which is really astounding individuals that hear the message and that want to support this. Everyone wants to do something, right? Everyone's feeling a little bit of anxiety about the state of our world today, right? The school safety and, and safety out on the streets. And the bottom line is this, there is something that we can all do. We can all support the Choose Love movement and in that way be part of the solution. So by donating parents, by making sure that your school has a comprehensive social emotional learning program that is, is taught with fidelity, a way to do that, we, we have an advisor website. So if you are hearing this message and it's really resonating with you and you want to get involved, Go on to our website and become an advisor, become an ambassador, download that information, read up on it. We have training online in order to do this. We have sample emails and letters that you can send. And uh, of course, we always love to hear from any of you that want even more information or want to get involved in a bigger way. I mean, together we can create a safer, more peaceful and loving world. And, and we want to change the world. That is our goal. I, I can't help but thinking that there's got to be an opportunity to roll this program out into Congress at some point in the near future. <laughs> I, you know that, you know what? Maybe our Choose Love at Work program that we're working very hard on right now that's going to be released this year, I am personally going to bring it to them and to see if they, uh, if I can get that in there and, and have everyone on the governmental level to, to learn choosing love. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, really, if we could all just treat one another as we wanted to be treated, could you imagine uh, going online and just reading some nice things every now and again? <laughs> what a refreshing change that would be. Yes. Thank you for listening to Character First. 
Character First is sponsored by Role Model Mentors.